0: Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. And today, Tony and I are going to kick it old school, just the two of us. Uh, Hey, Tony. Good afternoon. So uh, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a potpourri here. I've got a couple different things we wanted to discuss. Um, One, Tony just recently wrote an article that ran both in our newspaper and is also in an upcoming issue of Michigan Country Lines about some recent Uh, peak generation events that we want to just kind of talk through and talk about what they might mean for our members and for our state. And then I want to begin the transition towards the speculative game that will be the 2020 presidential election. So we're going to talk through some of the uh, energy and climate proposals that the current Large slate of candidates have started banding around, and uh, maybe dig into some of those. And then, if we have any time at the end, I kind of want to discuss uh, carbon fee and dividend, although that is its own podcast. Oh. But uh, some good conversation going on locally, but also some of these presidential candidates have started to kind of um, incorporate that into some of their platforms. So I think it's it's worth discussing. So to kick. So off. as
1: the male partner in this duo, <laughs> I prefer smorgasbord over potpourri. Oh. Just just so people know.
0: So for future reference, I will be sure to clear all word choice. For the male
1: listeners in the audience, yes. this is a smorgasbord. Yes. You don't w- have to shut us off because it's popery.
0: Welcome to the podcast buffet. And there you go. Here we That's go. That's even better. <laughs> so, Tony, you just uh, wrote an article. And, and just for those of our listeners who maybe don't think about this stuff all the time, when we talk about MISO, we're talking about the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, or our regional grid operator. But you just wrote a column about how they've been putting out more peak generation notices than what we've seen in the past. Can you just kind of break that down a little bit for our listeners? Um,
1: In the industry, we call them max gen events. And a max gen event is when the independent system operator uh, calls us up and says, we need to run all our generation. It's really cold or it's really hot. Run all the generation. And prior to 2016, there were eight max gen events in the previous 10 years before 2016. Since 2016, we've had 18 max gen events, the last being January 30 and 31 when it was really cold. And what does that tell us? That, that tells us we're not building infrastructure. As we're shutting off coal plants, coal plants are aging out, they're um, going offline, and some people are celebrating that, and that's all good and fine, but we're not building anything. So what are we doing when it gets really cold? We're running more natural gas we're running more diesel we're keeping the grid up, but we're we're burning more gas for sure so it's generation is getting tighter and tighter, and we're not replacing enough to uh, take care of what's coming offline
0: and so there's the kind of two things at play here one at least what I'm hearing you say is that not only um Are we not building at a pace that replaces things that exist, but more more importantly, that margin between what we need and what we're running is shrinking, right? So what is available to us versus what we need, the margin is shrinking.
1: Yes. Over the 15-state regional grid, what generation we have over what we need is, yeah, it's it's, it's shrinking. I can't put it another way.
0: This doesn't sound good.
1: It's not a lot of food on the buffet.
0: So what happens in that moment when you? I mean, clearly MISO has a pretty sophisticated predictive modeling and planning mm-hmm. at you know side. At some point, they see where these two curves intersect, Correct. and when the curve of available generation goes below the curve of expected demand, what does MISO do?
1: They're gonna uh, they're gonna look to the old fleet. What can we keep running? Uh, maybe a coal plant that's set to shut off on. December 1st of 2019 they're going to say well you're going to have to keep running until 20 or 21 or 22 to base based on what we see in the market that's being built so my opinion what we're going to see is we're going to see that the older dirtier stuff stay on longer until the newer cleaner stuff catches up and we're, we're behind we're I think there's five thousand megawatts or six thousand megawatts of coal in Michigan that's slated to go offline in the next five years. I don't see that happening based on what's going on in the grid today.
0: How long does it take to build a new power plant?
1: Uh, natural gas is uh, Wolverine proved they could build four hundred megawatts in two years.
0: That's still a lot. Of, that's a lot of projects to get to six thousand.
1: Yeah. yeah, a wind farm can go up in that time frame or less. Solar is probably faster, but you got to get excited and build. And then we know those two fuels don't go twenty four seven. So behind every one of those fuels is going to be some natural gas. So yeah, it's it's a good couple of years for sure.
0: Well, and so. Um, my soul is looking at this f- kind of 15-state regional piece. Correct. I think the piece that's also – and I, I, I'm not sure where the rest of the – where the other 14 states fall. But here in Michigan, I just feel like it's virtually impossible to build anything. And so it, you, one of the things I've heard – and I've heard um, some of our staff from Wolverine talk about this – is that it looks like there's a bunch of stuff in the hopper, but that's just because everybody who can – has any desire to build anything is just throwing projects up there hoping one or two of them might make it through all the zoning and permitting so it might look like 10,000 megawatts you know in line to be built but that is starting with the assumption that maybe less than 10 percent of that will ever make it to the finish line
1: they have to get in the MISOQ before they ever get any planning or zoning or permitting locally so they're they're literally throwing stuff against the wall and then hoping something comes out. And uh, yeah, we're not seeing a lot being built in Michigan right now. We're seeing more projects shot down than get started.
0: It's interesting because I lived in, lived in Southern California right around the time they were doing like ro- like the rolling blackout phase. And one of the things I, I know about consumers is we can say, we will say this, this will not be the last podcast where you and I talk about this, no. but nobody, because, because we've done such a good job of running the grid and keeping things running, people don't probably realize how slim that margin is. And it's only when they start to feel that margin in the form of actual reliability issues that they'll start to care but unfortunately that's too late right because at that point the the amount of time that it's going to take to build up whatever generating sources we need to replace this is an almost unacceptable amount of uh, gap basically
1: yeah and and it's important to remember we're talking about the regional grid a big pool of power over 15 states locally wolverine's got us in position where we have capacity we have energy we have generation to meet our needs well into the future it's it's the regional grid though, that that we're worried about today. I don't want listeners to get alarmed that well, Cherryland's almost out of power. And, right. No, we're, we're not. Wolverine's looked out far ahead of time and done a good job of taking care of us. We're we're gonna be fine. In fact, we're we're making some good money in the market right now because the natural gas plant Wolverine just building uh, Gaylord we call it our Alpine plant. It's it's running a lot mm-hmm. and. When it runs during a max gen event, it generates revenue for us. So we're winning right now in the tight market. We're just trying to send this message about the regional grid that when you start reading stuff that coal plants are staying on longer, there's a reason.
0: That's what's going on. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it, like right now, we're in that sweet spot where the reality is we're all in the same bathtub, right? Right. And yep. so we're all we all have the, we're all accessing the same grid, but today we're a, we're a seller into that grid mm-hmm. to our benefit. Right. But we do still need other people to build things in order for us not to be the only ones refilling right. the bathtub.
1: because as our system grows, we're going to need more of that generation to serve our system as five, ten years goes by for sure. Yeah. Right now, we have excess capacity, and we're selling it into the grid at a great time.
0: So we're not alone here in the um, MISO area in terms of thinking about what the future will look like, and so I think this is a really nice spot for us to transition to talking about some of the see- things we're conversations we're seeing happen at the national level. Sure. Uh, I already mentioned this. There are currently over, I think, there are twenty five people who have officially declared they're in the race to be president.
1: As of noon today.
0: Yeah. So uh, it's a, a cr- it's a unlike our bathtub. That bathtub is very crowded. And they have, what we're seeing, especially on the Democratic side, is that they're really making climate change and energy policy a priority. So you're seeing quotes like, climate change is an existential threat that we must deal with the reality of. We must radically shift the conversation on how to address the climate crisis we are facing because we are running out of time to act. There's a real sense of urgency in the rhetoric in these campaigns. Um, And so I wanted to just take a take a couple minutes here and discuss some of the proposals that are being thrown around, because for a lot of these candidates, they're saying this is going to be one of our primary um, priorities if we're elected. Yeah,
1: and it could make or break the Democratic Party on how they agree on on their use of climate change in the campaign, for sure.
0: Yes. So uh, one of the things that uh, we hear often is that perhaps we have the chance to save our way out of this problem mm-hmm. and that is the kind of the energy efficiency proposal so I'll, I'll tell you I'll give you a couple quotes um, Governor Steve Bullock uh, two-term governor from Montana has said the energy efficiency alone could address about 30 percent of the reductions that we would need to mitigate climate change and uh, He, uh, uh, Governor Jay Inslee, you had sent Mm -hmm. me that article from um, Governor Inslee. He had said, uh, and and for him, climate change is his primary platform. Um, And his plan is called the Evergreen Economy Plan, but he's got a a portion of that called Rebuild America, where he is proposing to put federal dollars into upgrading 4% of the nation's total building stock annually with a goal of having essentially retrofitted all of the nation's current building stock over a 25-year period of time and requiring all new buildings to be zero carbon by 2030. So these really aggressive kind of building envelope and building upgrade plans being thrown out there. How do you respond to people who say we could save our way out of this problem?
1: I look locally when that happens to me and we know Cherryland is growing one and a half to two percent a year in our sales and that's at the same time we're saving one percent of the previous year's energy use. So we're doing energy conservation, doing it well. We're reducing kilowatt hours, but we're still seeing our demand and our energy needs every year go up. More people come into the country or come into our area, but the, the same as nationally. We have more and more people coming into our country, and we have a population that's growing that's mm-hmm. much smaller than it used to, but our energy consumption is continues to inch up. Mm -hmm. maybe not so much in in the cities as it is as the rural areas grow but yeah we we need to do building envelopes better we need to save energy for sure not ever going to say we don't but to think we're going to solve climate change or any problem by saving our way out of it that's just not realistic you have to have another arrow in your quiver or two besides just energy conservation
0: well and, and and certainly a lot of these proposals are looking at energy as a whole, but as an electric utility, I I'm looking a lot at kind of electric demand. And I think we're on the precipice of seeing an incredible rise in the demand for electricity, at least because of the fact that we're seeing, we're going to, we're starting, we're at the beginning stages of this um, transformation of the vehicle sector. Right. I know people will think, well, it's just it's not going to happen. It is going to happen. Every single major vehicle manufacturer in the United States is saying this is the direction we're going. We are moving towards an electrified vehicle fleet, and so that's only going to increase our demand for electricity. Yeah, and they're
1: going to say, well. They only go 200 miles, so everybody's not going to buy them. Well, think of all the cities. You know, what do we have? 360 million people in the country. Electric co-ops serve 42 million. That means there's 300-some million people living in the cities in half of our country. They don't need 200 miles a day. They need to get to work and back. Mm -hmm. So Montana, yeah, you can conserve and you can poo-poo EVs in Montana because you have long distances to drive. Mm -hmm. Detroit, Chicago, even Traverse City. I could drive an EV and I would only have to charge it at home. Yeah. Range isn't an issue, so yes, absolutely, yes. EVs are going to become a bigger player,
0: and and that'll again put up increased demand. So I don't, I just don't see how we upgrade insulation and light bulbs at a at a pace that is going to offset that kind of a, a pressure again on the electric side. Yeah. I get that, that this is a more of an energy and general discussion, yeah. but on the electric side, I think. And then the other piece I was thinking about with this is. So, and we see this at Cherryland all the time. Yes, it's important to upgrade the home, and no, we don't. Or the building envelope, and no, we don't want to waste electricity. But weather, more than anything else, mm-hmm. drives our sales. And so, if if we accept the assumption that we're we're in a period of time where we are seeing great fluctuations in le- weather and extreme weather events, that's only going to that's a great point. drive the need for for more energy. So I just don't mm-hmm. see how we save. Again, not to say we shouldn't be investing oh, in energy efficiency, but I don't see how we save our way out of it. It's
1: it's the same message we've been using for 10, 15 years. Everybody wants one silver bullet to solve the problem, and there isn't one bullet to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Energy conservation is a one bullet in a big gun, mm-hmm. or a gun with many rounds. Well, <laughs> let's get off the gun analogy, yeah. but it's one.
0: We've gone off the rails. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's not one solution.
0: Yeah. So um a lot of the proposals and we won't get into the details of all of them but there's kind of, they seem to be falling into there's some people getting on board with this whole green new deal concept. Yep. Then there are others who are saying I'm skeptical of the green new deal but I have my own deal and it's and a lot of propo- proposals about infrastructure investment, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of I mean in huge numbers being thrown around. Um, Absolutely. Uh, huge like numbers. Governor Inslee's number 9 tri- tr- trillion with a T dollars into infrastructure in order to clean green the economy mm-hmm. right but also to provide for this kind of climate resiliency so what should what what will we be building what will what will that nine trillion dollars go into well well
1: that's <laughs> wind that's solar i don't think he's talking hydro and he should be you know cause nobody want when we talk infrastructure nobody wants to talk about building hydro dams that seems to be taboo mm-hmm. even though it's 100 percent renewable so it, yeah it's, it's a lot of wind and Wind and solar, but that's going to be backed up with gas, and that's where they they're always quiet. Mm-hmm. So it it's a, it's a massive amount of money in his plan for sure. I mean, in but at least he has a plan. Yeah, because the Green New Deal lacks specifics. Inslee at least come out with some specifics, some huge numbers with his specifics. But wow. Yeah,
0: I had a, at, I had a great.
1: At least he's trying.
0: Oh, here here's a great quote from. Uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, when at, he, he is also a Green New Deal proponent, but he was at, I don't know, some event, and he was asked why he would support a proposal that would ban cows. And his response was, okay, I don't want to ban cows, but here's why I consider the Green Deal important. I consider it important to defend this framework, even though it's more a set of goals than a set of answers as of now. Uh, when you think about can we get to net zero carbon or to zero carbon or net zero carbon, the right year to achieve those goals was yesterday. The only question is how fast can we do it? So, I mean, I think even the people are coming out in support of the Green New Deal are saying, yeah, it doesn't have any details or the details it has. I'm skeptical of, but they're they're still fully endorsing the concept of a massive infrastructure package and setting this as kind of a national priority.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're. Well, it, it, it's the hot and sexy thing to talk about if you run for president. Mm-hmm. Let's solve the climate battle. Therefore, I will win the election. But at some point, you're going to have to come be, come up with specifics. And,
0: and it's going to yeah. be expensive.
1: No question. Uh-huh. No question.
0: So one of the things that I've been kind of just really noticing is this incredible sense of urgency, right? This in, Like, you know, instead of say, instead of saying we're talking about 50 to 100 year plans it's 10 19 20 30 20, 35. Yep. i mean they're short time frames and when you think about how long it took to get all the infrastructure we have in place today and then start thinking about trying to make that kind of transition that quickly it's it's well, crazy yeah. like what would have to happen to do that it, I,
1: it, uh, <laughs> lots and lots of money but that's <laughs> that's the attention span of the voter and that's what our all this policy talk is i believe driven on the attention span of the voter, I got to get their attention now. I got 25 guys in the pool, mm-hmm. uh, and ladies that are gonna run against Trump. So how do I grab somebody's attention today so I can make the cut and be in the top 10 or the top five of that 25? But yeah, we're we're, we're behind. If if you believe in climate change, we're behind for sure. So it is it is an uh, an issue of urgency, but how are we going to solve it in a hurry nobody's got a real good plan for that
0: one of the things i really like about the approach we've had at wolverine that i do think is is certainly um something you could implement at a larger scale than just wolverine is that we've done a really good job of being balanced but saying when we do renewables we're going to do lowest possible cost at Mm -hmm. highest possible scale i think too much of the oxygen in the room is getting sucked up by debating over these little itty-bitty baby projects that in the grand scheme of things are just not moving the needle. Right. And so focusing on, I think, renewables at scale is going to be mm-hmm. really important to keeping up any sort of pace. Um, but the other piece that I think Wolverine has done a very good job of is also not completely discounting the role that nuclear can play. hmm and a, part of the way we got to our 62% carbon-free portfolio was having a balance of both nuclear and new renewables, right? right? But I think I, it makes me very nervous that uh, almost no one who's currently running for president is talking about any any future for nuclear. I don't even hear that many people in the utility industry talking about a future for nuclear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The people in the utility inter- industry certainly downplay nuclear because it's, I was going to say it's toxic, but then pun intended. It can be, but it's its safety record is stellar, but its marketing record is dismal yes. but if you want to talk about urgency and in a hurry, you can't leave nuclear out. Mm-hmm. yeah, it takes a long time to build, but we have to get better we have to get better at building nuclear, and that involves regulation and policy around nuclear as well. Um, still got to be safe and don't want to discount safety, but it's highly regulated. Mm-hmm. And that's causing construction delays and cost overruns. And yeah. we need to do better. If, if we want a carbon-free world, it's it's going to have nuclear. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's going to have all of the above, nuclear, hydro, wind, solar. Um, maybe we can even do coal cleaner. Um, yeah, I'm rambling on the all of the above strategy once again, but that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. And don't tell me you have solutions if you don't have hydro nuclear in your solutions
0: yeah and i think and and this is a maybe not entirely fair but i think that nuclear definitely has a huge pr problem and then there are clearly examples of projects that have gone way over budget and way past their Mm -hmm. deadlines Mm -hmm. but if we were to put even a portion of the r&d and the kind of political will into getting nuclear done i don't i think i still i i believe it could be and you look at countries like france that, that did it, that yep. went all in, and we're decades behind them in yep. terms of, of having yep. that kind of baseload generation that is carbon-free.
1: Yep, we always want to hold up Germany because it does renewables and all of that, but we, nobody wants to talk about how nuclear is doing in Europe, and it's doing really well, mm-hmm. and that's where we just need to get better. We need to get better at everything. That's, <laughs> you know, we do. If you believe in a carbon-free world, we have to get better at what we do today. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's new technologies that may pop up, but we, we know what works. We just got to figure out how to do it better.
0: So one of the things there's that kind of when we think about a, a low carbon future, there are um, I think we have to start to think about what does what does what is the what is the role natural gas or. fossil fuels play in either transitioning to that world or are they the the goal because one of the things that's also really interesting to me in the the democratic side is definitely very split on this issue you've got candidates like um warren and uh sanders who are running on a immediately ban all extraction on federal lands Uh, Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's sanders who is running on a no exports at all of any fossil fuels. Like you're talking, like a, just a, a massive shrinking of the fossil fuel economy. Then you have other candidates who are running, saying, "No, no, 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 no." Fo- like natural gas is is itself a huge kind of carbon cut mm-hmm. from coal. So if you yeah. had to predict, if you, with all your years in the utility oh, yeah, industry,
1: my old old years, give
0: me your prediction for my- the role that f- that fossil fuels are going to play over the next. 25 years oh
1: we're going to go all in on gas over the next 10 years we're going to build gas like you wouldn't believe to try to shut off these coal plants because it's easy and it's quick and we're going to go great guns with gas and then the price is going to start to spike like it has in the past and somebody's going to say whoa whoa what about this 200 years of coal supply we have in the ground (laughs) can not we do coal better Uh, let's take another look at that and then we're yeah Next 10 years is going to be all gas. The 10 years after that, we're going to be um, doing coal better than we ever had. And meanwhile, uh, solar and wind will take a bigger chunk of the portfolio. But to think natural gas and coal are going away? You're kidding yourself because it's not going to happen. We only built coal in the late 70s, early 80s when we thought we were running out of natural gas. And now everything goes in a circle. Now we have a ton of natural gas which people just five years ago were saying we would never have and we're going to build gas like you wouldn't believe and then something's going to happen and the price is going to spike and we're going to go holy crap what do we do now well we're sitting on tons of coal
0: and none of the nothing i've seen or read has has had any kind of serious commitment to carbon sequestration or any, any any serious commitment. There's a
1: few people recognizing the fact we got to do some R and D. I think even Inslee and some of his uh, stuff talks about putting some money into research and development, which they should. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm every time I hear about coal being shipped overseas or natural gas being exported. I'm, I'm, I cringe because that's taking our supply down inch by inch and um, that's not good.
0: So so and I, I i hinted at this at the beginning we only have a few minutes left but i i do want to take on the idea of driving a change in how we generate electricity by pushing forward tax policy so one of the things that does show up in several of these candidates proposals is a is a at least a nod at the idea Uh of some sort of a carbon fee and dividend model. And the way a a lot of the carbon fee and dividend models are designed is this idea that as far upstream as possible, you would place a tax on emissions. Uh And that would create, uh, it would obviously drive up the cost of higher emitting things and make them then lower emitting things, more cost competitive. But a lot of the proposals that are on the table right now too also make the assumption that they will capture all of that tax and then redistribute it back out to families so that even though the pr- price of goods goes up every, you know, quarter or whatever, I'm automatically getting some mm-hmm. sort of a dividend into my bank account that would offset my costs. So, yeah. tell give me your reaction.
1: <sighs> 2 years ago, I was hell no on a carbon tax. Today, I'm like, well, Kind of maybe, but you got to convince me what's going to happen with the tax. W- will the tax be effective? Yeah, I think that a, a tax would probably reduce carbon. But who's going to pay that tax? Mm-hmm. And how many low-income families are going to be affected? And that's where one of my personal passions lies. How do I not impact the low-income people? Well, Well, we're going to take the tax and we're going to give it back. And when you look at the federal government today, you can't convince me the federal government today is going to give any money back. When you get a massive chunk of money into that system and expect it to go back to the people in the same proportion they paid it, I got to be convinced of that. So I got to say no to a carbon tax until you convince me where the money goes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you tell me that money is going to go into research and development or something like that, and you convince me that the government's going to let that happen, um, yeah, maybe I could go there, but you also, w- when you sell me on a carbon tax, you you got to sell me that you're behind hydro generation, and nuclear generation as well. Yeah. I, it, it's I agree. a, it's a whole full package for me. You you can't say, well, we're not going to talk about hydro and we're not going to talk about nuclear, but Hey, Hey, vote for this mm-hmm. carbon tax. Mm-hmm. No, you want me to vote for the carbon tax? I, I need you advocating for hydro and nuclear and, and citing for wind and being active in policy for large solar installations i want the whole package from you and i will get behind a carbon tax
0: yeah i and i think that's a really important point so in one because i am I'm, I'm with you like i'm generally skeptical of taxes in, just just that's just my mm-hmm. that's my good old conservative roots i guess yep, yep. and i i wholeheartedly do not Have any faith in the federal government's ability? I mean, I overpaid on my taxes like 15 years ago, and it took them like a solid 10 years to to find me and give it back. I just, I just don't buy. I just, I really struggle to buy that (laughs) portion of those proposals. However, if we're going to regulate carbon in any way, the best, the best solution or the best kind of proposals I've seen have been a kind of a market-based, tax-based proposal. But they don't work unless you remove the barriers to building and mm-hmm. maintaining current carbon-free yeah. generation sources. And we have not done a good job of that, not right. at the state level and not at the federal level.
1: Wind is a great example of that. The The tax incentives or the tax credits for wind have built a ton of, of wind in this country. But we still can't get it built in Michigan because people don't want to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we know that taxes and tax subsidies does increase the carbon-free forms of energy. But even then... Tell me where you can build wind anywhere within 200 miles of Traverse City.
0: Yep, we have we have to do more to remove those barriers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so we've we've done a lot of good work during our smorgasbord we've, we've, podcast.
1: We've rambled a lot on. Well, I all wasn't going to call above. you out on it, but
0: no it's... <laughs> All of the above. All of <laughs> the above. Well, it just it 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 something we've been we've talked about it several times. We've been talking about it a little lately. Is I don't know that we're. F- Coming out in any strong position as it pertains to climate change, what we just keep saying over and over again is we we recognize the solutions to doing energy mm-hmm. cleaner, and we want people to be with us, and they're not. Yeah. And even people who claim climate change is a just a driving force for them don't show up, and they don't they don't show up when we have zoning issues with wind. They don't show it up don't. when we're trying to figure out how to cite hydro or advocate for nuclear, and that's really frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's about solutions. We can argue the, the effects of climate change all day long. You know, certainly man has an effect to what degree. I don't care to get into that argument. What's affordable and what's right? And you've seen Wolverine do that. Again, we were 62% carbon-free last year at a, an affordable price. And we have that portfolio baked in for the next 10 years at an affordable price. You're going to see our power prices stable to decline in the next 10 years. So it can be done. Uh, But if we want to go above 62%, we need people with solutions, not people railing about a problem. We've talked enough and spent enough energy on the problem. What's your solution? Mm -hmm. And that's planning, zoning, siting, recognizing the benefits of nuclear, uh, and supporting that. And when,
0: when you, uh, you know, take Wolverine, when you as a major utility are out there on the market saying, we are willing to commit to an additional, you know, I'm making uh-huh. numbers up, 100 megawatts, 150 megawatts of renewable energy, and you can't get anyone to get it across the finish line, that's frustrating. Because Extreme. the utilities are made to yep. look like the bad guy, but yep. how can we be the bad guy when we're saying we're in the market for this and no one can build it?
1: Yeah, we're... We're not eighty percent carbon free today because of uh three townships in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's that simple I've said that before I've written about that before, and I will beat that drum to death, mm-hmm. but that's where we're at mm-hmm. while other people are talking about twenty forty goals we're just i'm I'm stammering because we're that close mm-hmm. to eighty percent, which nobody else is
0: yep yeah so you you've heard it here we're committed, but and we need. Uh, other people to be committed alongside us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to continue to uh, watch these things, continue to push for solutions, and continue to also push all of our elected officials to be in the business of helping us remove barriers and um, do these things as affordably and reliably as possible. Correct.
1: A little less talk, a lot more action. And so and the action is building stuff.
0: But we're still going to talk monthly on yes. this podcast, just to be clear.
1: But we're also 60% carbon free and nobody else is. so we are. We did, we did so put a little... We've done the action yes. as much as we can, and we're, we're going for more. We'll see.
0: So did you bring a fun fact?
1: I did. Okay, fun fact. I was best. recently in Idaho on a quick little vacation, and I strolled the streets of Sandpoint, Idaho, and there's electric co-op close there. I couldn't get my wife to stop because it was a vacation, and she doesn't really want to look at co-op stuff on vacation. But the co-op in the Sandpoint, Idaho area was the first electric co-op west of the Mississippi. Hmm. It's a lot of territory west of the Mississippi, and they got it done first.
0: And they were first. So Tony is sure his is a fact, and I am a little concerned that mine's not. But I did recently read, uh, according to the Yale Program for Climate Change Communication, a record 69% of voting-age Americans say they are worried about climate change, and almost a third say they are very worried, which is the highest percentage ever recorded in polling. So I, I just say this because I don't think this is the last time we will talk about this. And I think that as public opinion continues to to focus attention on climate change as being a threat uh-huh. that needs to be attended to, these issues we've talked about today are only going to become more important. And, and the utility's ability to build and supply clean power reliably is only going to yeah, become more yeah. important. But we will continue to fight the good fight here on Co-op Energy Talk. So thank you for joining me.